Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Going for Goal, the weekly women's health podcast. My name is Roisin Devishokane. I'm Senior Editor on Women's Health, and this is your weekly chance to plug in and be inspired to work on your health and wellness. First of all, just to say that we are sending a massive virtual hug to everyone who's affected by the latest restrictions in parts of the UK. Um, It's been a tense week, of course, more so for some than others. And as ever, we hope you're doing what you can to look after yourselves. If you're running low on inspiration, I reckon today's guest, pro footballer turned pundit, sports broadcaster and 2019 Strictly alumnus, Alex Scott is well equipped to offer some inspiration. Since being scouted at the age of eight playing football on a London council estate, her life was defined by fitness for many years. But now, by her own admission, she is someone who uses fitness for fun and the joy she finds in it is truly infectious. In this episode, she chats to Women's Health Editor-in-Chief Claire Sanderson, who's a big sports fan, but rugby more than football, all about the lessons she's learned in her long career, the strengths that sport and exercise equips girls with on and off the pitch, and how she's altered her fitness during the pandemic. She also opens up about her mental health, therapy, slowing down, and how she came to realise that, for her, the pressure of her job really is a privilege. Enjoy. Hello everyone, my name is Claire Sanderson and I am the Editor-in-Chief of Women's Health. Thank you so much for listening to Going for Goal today and I am joined by a very prestigious guest. She is one of the UK's leading sportswomen. She's a former professional footballer, a TV presenter and a Strictly star. She is none other than Alex Scott. (laughs) Soon as you say Strictly, I want to start dancing. Look, my shoulders are going. (laughs) Well, we've got to talk about Strictly because it's my favourite show. But you know what, Alex? I don't think that intro actually did you justice because I've been doing a bit of research for this podcast and I was simply blown away by some of the stats that I read. So you are an Olympian. You went to the Olympics in 2012. You are an MBE, which you were awarded in 2017. You are an Arsenal legend. <laughs> and that phrase was used considerably when uh, when I was doing my research. You have 140 caps for England as a, as a right back. You were the first female pundit that the BBC took to the World Cup. I mean, I'm going to keep on going here. <laughs> and you were the first 
Sky Sports Super Sunday Female Pundit. I mean, there's a lot of firsts there. Uh, yeah. And I'm sitting here with a big smile on my face because, to be honest, I still pinch myself and I still, I don't know, I'm sort of that person. People read off all the achievements and I'm just like, wow. Like, I, I don't know, like from when I started playing football, the dream was always to play for England or play for Arsenal. I didn't set out to be, oh, I want to be the first, how you said, for BBC or the first for Sky Sports. I'm just someone that's been so passionate about everything I do and then all the accolades and everything has just come with it. It is remarkable roster of achievements for, for a young girl who was just playing football in a cage. Yeah. That's what I read. You'll have to explain what that means. And your, with your friends or your, your siblings, um, you can clarify for me, uh, when, you know, when you were eight in London and you, and you were scouted for Arsenal. Yeah, that football cage is still there, actually, in the east end of London. I grew up on um, a council estate um, and that football pitch was basically an escape. It was the only thing that was there for everyone in the neighbourhood to come together. I used to go there with my brother and the other boys and play football. And then some guy, he had uh, connections with Arsenal. He saw me playing and he was like, you know that Arsenal have a women's team. Alex, you should really go down there. And I was like, no, I'm not interested. I want to stay in the football cage this is where all my hopes and dreams have started this is where I want to stay and he was like no no I'm going to take you down there and he did and yeah I never looked back Arsenal signed me straight away and it's basically it became my family so were you even aware that there was such a thing as as elite women's football at that time no, there were because like there was nothing on TV. You didn't hear about women's football. It was only kind of overseas in America that you heard about Mia Hamm, this striker, wears number nine, and she was hailed as this hero. But it seems so far away and so distant that I was just used to playing with the boys in the neighbourhood and didn't think anything of it. So, were you an Arsenal family then? Were you an Arsenal? Were you an Arsenal fan even at that age? No, to be honest, I wasn't connected with a football team. I was just no. playing in that football cage and dreaming of playing at Wembley and then Arsenal signed me and like I said it became my family so yeah Yeah. then I supported the club I grew up there and people that still work there today it's like they've been on my journey with me and I never forget that they've seen me gone from that young girl into a woman a professional footballer now into broadcasting as well. I read that you are extremely grateful to your your mum who works around the clock and on multiple jobs to to bring you and um, and your siblings up and she never wavered in her support in your ambition to be a professional footballer even when some of her friends were saying things like oh she'll grow out of it and there maybe wasn't a you know a future in women's professional football at that time was still a a dream, maybe not so much of a reality, but your mum was a constant supporter of yours. Yeah, Claire, you just said exactly the words that her friends, they used to laugh at her because I used to be this little girl wanting to play football, but there was no, you couldn't make money from it. There were no professional teams or even semi-professional there. So she mm-hmm. really could have pushed me onto another path and was like, Alex, you really need to con- like consider something else. But she just saw what it gave me, this freedom, this escape. And she could see it was actually in the sport 
supportive environment, giving me a different confidence. You know, like how I said, how I grew up on that council estate and without sport or without that determination to be a footballer, I could have easily taken another path in life. So I think she saw that actually she needs this. She needs that concentration, that discipline that it was given me. And I'm so thankful for her because when I look back as well, some of the World Cups and how you said the Olympics, my mum wasn't able to come to every single game because how you said she was working. And I knew she had to do that to enable me to get to where I am today. And I'm so grateful for that. What you've said then is is, is so important about sport and children because it teaches them so much more than just athletic ability. It's management skills, it's focus, and it's keeping them on the straight and narrow, especially some city kids like yourself. And, uh, and it is so sad that sporting environments have been sold off for housing developments, etc., um, and I know you do a lot of work with kids now to to maintain, for, you know, for the future generations. Yeah, and it's, it's a really big passion of mine to continue to do that because, like I said, I know how much it gave me. I never thought that I'd be able to travel the world or see the things or – it's a different education, totally, when you learn from different people, from cultures, and I got that all from sport, and I would never – like, I still pinch myself every day that I've gone on to see the things that I have – And it's actually, it gives you the confidence, one, because you're surrounded by other people, the discipline, like you said, and actually different forms of leadership and that self-discipline. Sport has so many life skills that I don't think we talk about enough that that's why it's so important. And we're not talking about getting into sport to everyone needs to be an elite athlete, but it's those skills that it gives you. You can take into any work environment. Absolutely. It's the confidence. My my son loves sport. He's an able sportsman. You know, whatever ball he picks up or kicks, he, he seems to be quite skilled at. But I wouldn't say he's the most confident child, but I've seen him flourish in team sports and I can now him see him taking that into school and he's only eight yeah. and hopefully he'll take it into life and there's also the issue of childhood obesity as well and there's been research that if children do sport when they're a child they're much more likely to take that into adulthood and, and live healthier longer lives. I th- yeah because even say this morning I got up and I went for a run and I'm not running to beat a time or anything but like it's that feeling it gives me it's like that start for the day the energy the endorphins that it lets off there's so many benefits that I don't think yeah. we touch on no the mental health benefits especially now at this time when we're all having our mental health challenged by the the extraordinary circumstances we're, we're finding ourselves in at the moment. Yeah, Claire, that hour in lockdown at the start was everything for me for my mental health. I think mm. if I didn't have that, that was my to get out and sometimes not even go on a run. Sometimes I think we package sport or running or exercise. It's like you have to have that feeling of your hands on your hips and you're over and that feeling of it's such hard work. But then I found actually in lockdown, just being able to get out and go for a walk, which is also a form of exercise to clear my head and just think and be outside was so important for me. Absolutely. And so what was your lockdown experience? Um, When I look back, I think we went through different stages. I feel like there's different chapters. So the first stage was, yeah, running because we had nice weather, but I actually have a lot of injuries through football on my ankles. So I can't actually do a lot of pounding. And then I was like, oh no, what am I going to do? But then I said, going on walks, I really loved. And then 
the biggest gift of all, I got sent a Peloton, which I oh. absolutely fell in love with cycling. Yeah, I've got one. I'm, I'm obsessed. Yeah, obsessed. I literally become obsessed. I was doing classes every single day. It's like I joined this new community and the feeling it was giving me, oh, I can't speak highly enough of it. And I was, because in the last two years of my footballing career, I used to have to spend a lot of time on the bike to do my fitness instead of doing the running outside. So I hated it. So the thought of getting on a bike and doing exercise, I was like, no, I don't want to do this. But then I got the Peloton. I love it. It's just like the live classes, the fun element. And you do, if you want to be competitive, you have that side as well. So it's great. I love it. So go on then, who's your favorite instructor? Oh, I would go between Robin and Ali. I love. My two favorites. Really? Genuinely, (laughs) genuinely, I wrote on my Instagram this morning. Did you? Um, Yeah, Robin and Ali, definitely. And and I do the strength classes as well. But just, yeah, I I love the Peloton. I really got into home workouts, actually. And even though... I'm I've worked out in gyms all my adult life I you know I I used to do triathlons competitive rowing I've always trained but there's something quite lovely about working out from home isn't there and not having the stress of traveling to the gym and just doing it in your garden on a day like today if you can if you're lucky enough to have one yeah and I think a lot of people found that obviously I think with Joe Wicks um I think woke people up to woke people up to just see you can have half hour of a hit class or actually it can be fun and you don't need a big space. You don't need a gym membership. There's different ways to do it, but it's just getting moving and being active that can give you so many benefits. So what does training look like for you? Because obviously you you were an elite athlete. So yeah. I imagine what training looked like then is completely different to what it does now. Claire is so different. I think because I went from signing at eight and just having this routine and you do you're basically when you're an elite athlete I describe it sometimes you are like a robot because you know you have to get up train you have to eat you have to sleep and you are just programmed to do everything you can so as soon as I retired I said to myself actually I'm not gonna tell myself I need to work out I'm actually going to do the opposite I'm going to listen to my body a bit more so there would be days where I'd wake up and actually I don't want to do exercise but then the next day I knew I had this feeling I want to get up and run so I actually loved my first year of dipping in and out of that I think now I would say I have more of a structure I have a love of running I love the feeling it gives me so I would say I do a lot of running in the week some strength training and my peloton but I'm not that person that every day I must do something and punish myself for it. I'm kind of, I would say I've got a balance now. And how about your nutrition? Because I imagine that was quite, well, very monitored when (laughs) you were, when you were a professional athlete. Um, Are there any particular eating methods that you follow now or is it all intuitive? Um, I think because I was that elite athlete, I love good food. So I don't really eat junk food. Now and again, I let myself go. But most of the time, I crave good food. In lockdown, I'm going to sound so boring right now, but I got this thing. I loved cooking soups. So every time (laughs) I would try cooking new soups, I don't know if it's because I had to, um, I was in Um, on my own at home so I didn't want to keep cooking big meals so I found my go-to was trying all these different soups so what was your favorite soup I do love butternut squash it sounds so plain and boring but it it is definitely my go-to so are you vegetarian or vegan or you just happen to love butternut squash I just happen to love it I remember (laughs) going on the one show every time I was with Alex Jones she's like 
go on there now. What new soup have you cooked? (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least it wasn't banana bread. Everyone else was baking banana bread. I wasn't, by the way. I did it. I did it. I'm sticking to my soups. (laughs) (laughs) So if I can talk about your career after football, as I mentioned, you are a a pioneer of, of being a female football pundit. I actually read that uh, Ian Wright, who I imagine is a, a hero of yours, said that you were one of the best prepared pundits out there. I mean, that must be quite remarkable to hear someone of his iconic status saying that about you. Yeah, and I think going into that environment, I don't, for me, I'm always in competition with myself. It's not I, I want to sit alongside one, somebody, and be better than them or show them, like, oh, I should be here. I'm, I, For me, even as a footballer, it was like I want to be the best I can be, the best version of myself. And then so I think those skills have gone with me into broadcasting. And then so for me, when people say, well, why are you so prepared? You should know it. But it's any job. In any job that I do, I want to be the best. So, of course, I want to be prepared going on to live TV and to hear, like, Ian Wright, who I am super close with, come out and say those sorts of things. Actually, I, I, I love that because it shows that I'm taking my job very serious. So what sort of preparation would go into um, being a football pundit for a match? A uh, football pundit, presenter, the same thing, doing your research on who you're talking about, your guests that are coming on. Um, for me, I always want to give different insights. So I can sit there and I can roll off stats that, uh, whether it's a female player or a male player, that they they should have passed the ball here or there. But actually, I want to show more about their human side. I've And they're the stories that I want to share because I feel like there's more to athletes sometimes that we don't talk about. So the... The profession that you've chosen, football and um, a TV presenter in the football arena, we'll, we'll talk about Strictly, we'll come on to that in a second, but I'm talking about the, the football world at the moment. It is very male-dominated. What challenges have you had to overcome to to be successful and to be taken seriously um, within what is generally uh, a profession that is is very male-focused? I think for me it has been changing perceptions. So to be that female and only the female when I turn up to even... I need longer to get ready than a male on screen. And it's been asking those questions. Well, actually, I need a changing room. Actually, I might need half hour where going on screen, the guy only needs five minutes. Or So it's trying to change people's perceptions and actually at home as well, normalizing it that actually I can sit there on a panel with three guys, but I know what I'm talking about. I've played football since I was eight and I can give my opinions. And I absolutely love when people come up to me in the street and it's not just young girls watching me it's young boys and they love seeing me and talking about football because that's where we're going to change perceptions and change just how normal it is that anyone mm. can sit there and do that job absolutely so you've, you've got a generation of young men who are coming through who will not even question why there is a woman yeah. out in a in a lineup of three men mm-hmm. no one day hope it might be three women and one man yeah, yeah. I don't know. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So you, you said uh, when you were taken to the World Cup, we're not here to take boxes. We are, we are here as women to show off our skills, our knowledge. And that whole tick boxes um, phrase has sort of come into play recently with the, the allegations of um, racism within um, soccer Saturday, that three presenters were sacked, Matt Letizia, Phil Thompson, Charlie Nicholas, and some people were saying they were sacked because they're white middle-aged men and they're making way for um, for black presenters. And your name was, was brought into that. And I know Ian Wright came out in your defence. But is that something you've experienced before? The only thing when I, th- I was actually thinking on my run this morning, I was thinking about it because I feel that going forward right now at this moment in time, every job that I am linked to or every job that I'm going to be doing on screen for the next couple of years, I know the first thing people will be saying a lot of it because it's already happening. Like how you said, it's because I'm ticking a box and I was thinking about it today. I came back from playing professional in America in 2012, just before the London Olympics. I was already thinking about my career after sport then. I went and I did a media degree in 2013. So I spent two years doing that for this same reason. So no one could ever just say that I was ticking a box. So what, that was in 2013, but people see me all of a sudden on screen and think, oh, she's just been put there. Actually, I've worked so hard. I think it was Bill Gates, um, a quote that he says, is actually an overnight success is a result of hard work. It's never Mm. overnight success. And I've put in, I remember running from the training field to get to a studio to just sit there and be around people that I could learn off different presenters. I was working on Arsenal TV. I've been at the BBC now for four years. So actually... 
it's reminding myself that no, I've worked hard to be where I am. And yeah, I shouldn't have to explain to people that you think I'm ticking a box, but I've worked so hard to get to where I am. And I'm not going to let those people with those perceptions stop me just because of what they may think is, oh, we need change in the world. And this is the only reason Alex is there. Absolutely not. I must say there was an awful lot of support for you on Twitter as well when that storm kicked off. Um, yeah, again, a lot of people saying that you one of the best prepared yeah. pundits out there, male or female, just just punditry. So, and you always are going to have those negative few who you know the keyboard warriors who a lot of it's born out of jealousy as well and, and lack of education. Yeah. There's been a lot recently with the the Black Lives Matter movement. Is is racism something you've experienced growing up in London? Yes, it has. And I think also for me, it's been finding a way to learn more, even myself. For me, I'm never someone who points fingers. I always look inwards first. So when I think about me growing up, my mum was a single parent. She's white. And I think she did a lot to try and protect us, but protect us in a way as not speaking about it. So she would experience that because, oh my gosh, she's a single white woman with two black kids and she got a lot of racism towards her growing up, but it was always kind of to protect us. So actually me growing up and when I would experience things, it was to hide it. And I think at the moment, what we're shining a light on with racism, with mental health, is that we need to be having conversations. It needs to be at the forefront of everything that we're talking about to make change happen in the way actually it's perceived in the world. And you are doing your bit by being a, a prominent black female on TV, setting an example, normalising women in football. Um, and I imagine your mum's very proud of you. Yeah, she is like that. I just went shy thinking about that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, because I think my mum's always instilled values and just hard work and being kind and loving. And so no matter what environment that I am, I'm in, like I would never change who I am. I'm just someone that works hard and loves what she does. I think when I look back at my career from a footballer, I've gone from something that started as a passion, it turned into a profession, which then quickly, I knew it was my purpose. I know that people were looking up to me. I know that they see me and think there's a pathway for them now. And I absolutely love that. Do you think your drive comes from your mum then, who sounds like a remarkably hardworking, caring, wonderful mother? Yeah, it really does. Just everything that she's done in her life, if I can just go on to be a little bit of what she is, she's just a lovely human being that will do anything for anyone. Um, so, yeah, she's, yeah, I get it for my mama. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all need strong women around us. Yeah. Women need to support women. Yeah, I, and I love that. There's space for us all. I think we went through a time where it was like you're always in competition with another woman that you're alongside. No, we should celebrate strong, independent women that want to do well and that are successful. I think we need to change that mentality because there's room for us all. Absolutely. On the mornings when you, you wake up and you don't have the motivation and the drive to to smash your day in true <laughs> Alex Scott style, what reserves do you dig into? Do you have any any rituals that you, you adopt? I actually learned in lockdown that sometimes it's okay to have those days. 
and not feel guilty about it because I am always that person. I'm a hundred miles per hour. I don't know how to stop. I do one thing. I'm like, well, what next? I need to accomplish something else. I need to learn Spanish. I need to learn my guitar. But actually in those days, you actually learn a lot about yourself. Sometimes it's just taken a moment to, to reflex, um, recharge and just be able to go again. So I think in those moments, don't punish yourself. It's okay. But as long as you think then the next day, okay, I'm going to snap out of it. I'm going to go again. So you've, you've mentioned um, your, your mental health. And I've read that you have had therapy. I, 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 is it still ongoing? And, and are some of the rituals and resources that you just described things that you learned in therapy? Yeah, it's from things... It, it's I have to say my going to therapy and learning from therapy it's like an awakening I absolutely love it it's and I think some people think oh going to therapy why am I going to have someone tell me about myself I know about myself but it's actually it's like a weight off my shoulders every single mm-hmm. time I go and sometimes I'm going up I have nothing to say this week why would I even go and then I spend a whole a whole hour of just pulling everything out and it's just like this relief um, but I would say, yeah, I've learned a, a lot about myself going to therapy from childhood behaviors to how I am in certain environments. Um, it's given me different kind of tools to deal with things. And I'm still evolving and growing as a human being as a result of therapy. And why did you choose to have therapy in the first place? I think a lot when I first went into media the first year, I was taking a lot on social media of trolling and it became too much for me. It got to a place, I think two years ago over Christmas, where I was kind of losing myself. I didn't want to speak to any of my family and friends because I didn't want to put my burden onto them. Um, And I just felt in a place where I was very lonely and dealing with all this stuff that was very heavy. And it got to a stage where I was like, I I need to do something. I need to talk to someone. Um, So yeah, I found through, it was actually, it's called Sporting Chance, the clinic. And they've um, helped people like Tony Adams with his drink problem. A lot of sports people go there. And so for me, it was kind of an awakening. I absolutely love it. And you still go in now on a regular basis? Yeah, well, obviously lockdown has changed that. And and then how busy I was with Strictly, but I'm always checking in and going, yeah. But that's the thing. I think some people think, oh, you need to be going all the time. Actually, it can be spaced out. It it needs to what fits for you. Hmm. So you mentioned Strictly. We have to talk about it. (laughs) Regular listeners to this will know that I am a massive Strictly fan, (laughs) so I can't wait for it to start again. Uh I've been a, a fan for 10 years. So Tell me all about the Strictly experience. I'm so jealous. Okay, you know what? Even looking back at that, because in football, it was the one show all my teammates would tell you that Strictly was my dream. I love music. I love dancing. I was the team DJ. And I always used to say, imagine if one day, if one show, please, I would just love to get on Strictly. So for me, what you saw last year with that smile on my face, every single episode was the girl that always dreamt that to be on Strictly, but never thought it would ever happen. And then it did. So I've spoken to a lot of contestants and professional dancers, and they all say that it is the most hard work they've ever done in their life physically was was it harder than being a professional footballer all the training you had to do (laughs) completely different but I'm still like I'm smiling because I love hard work anyway but it, it was the first thing from since retiring from being an athlete that gave me that kind of routine again 
of being, yeah. of training. I would wake up, I'd meet Neil at nine o'clock every morning. Sometimes I wouldn't get home till nine o'clock at night, but I loved it because I knew it was on me. If I didn't put those hours in, or come, come to a Saturday, I could only blame myself because it was yeah. me that didn't put the hours in or train hard or like want to learn. So yeah. So what made you more nervous, that live dance on a Saturday or running out for England? <laughs> That first show, definitely doing Strictly. But do you know what? My mindset then flipped, though, because everyone speaks about the episode with Kevin when Neil got injured, and then I had Kevin who only learnt the dance 40 minutes. Like, how did I cope? How did I deal with that? I think because my mindset on things in those precious situations are always to embrace it. So every week on Strictly, I had a mindset of, well, if this is my last dance, I need to just go out there and enjoy it. Like I yeah. never want to look back and think, oh, I wish I wasn't nervous. Oh, I wish I would have loosened up a bit more. So I, every Saturday I was like, well, this could be the last. Just go and have fun, Alex. God, I've, I've, I've been to the Strictly studio. I went to watch Gemma Atkinson mm-hmm. um, as, as a guest of hers. And what I was really surprised at was it's actually smaller than you realise yeah. on TV. And as an audience, you're sat basically on top of the dancers doing their dance. The dancers come perilously close to the studio audience and the pressure, um, you know, my heart was pounding even just watching it in the, in the audience. And I, I just don't think I could do it. I don't think I could walk down that stairs and just, I remember I had two of my teammates, they came for week four when I did my Charleston and my Charleston, I just loved it. I felt I was in my groove and everything. They said afterwards, Alex, we have never been so nervous in our lives for watching you. <laughs> and I was like, why? I was having a great time. <laughs> it was just yeah. like, we didn't actually like enjoy that moment because we were just so nervous for you. I know. I can imagine. I can imagine. Well, you, your career has been so illustrious. If you were to look back, has there been a highlight? I, had, I feel so lucky. There's, there's been a few in terms of what I've gone on to achieve in my football career. So even in TV now, like I'm not just boxed into sport. The fact that I'm I presented Sport Relief or been on Strictly, that I get to sit on the one show with Alex Jones and do all these different things. I think I'm just a person in life that I just I every day I like learning something new, whether that's reading or meeting people, having conversations. Like I don't know. I feel like I am really just a positive person and my outlook on life. I just feel like I'm so lucky to come from an area which I did and I've got to see so many things in the world. So is is the media the way forward for your career or is there any chance you might follow other former professional footballers like Frank Lampard who have gone into management? Never say never. Actually, Frank was the one that said to me, Alex, you think you won't get into management now, but you might get a bug for it and you'll come back into it. But uh, for me, I can't see it happening just yet. I, I absolutely love what I do. Well, when I see football managers on the sidelines, they literally look like they're about to explode from the pressure. So uh, I'm not sure I'd want that responsibility on my head. <laughs> Do you know what my favourite quote um, is Billy Jean King, pressure is privileged from the tennis player. And I right. absolutely love that because I don't know, sometimes we see pressure as a negative, like, oh, it's too much. What if this happens? What if I don't do that? 
but actually you've worked so hard in no matter what environment, whether it's a sporting environment, in a work environment, you've worked hard to get to that position. So then when mm. you do get it, it's embrace it, own that moment, because why you don't know if you are going to get it again, or actually that's the moment people want you in it. So yeah, I absolutely love that quote from her. So what would be your dream job? That is, for me, this is such a hard one. I'm still like been on this journey the last couple of years. I think trying to find what I love in what kind of role, whether that's the one show, whether that's presenting something in sport. Sport will always be there for me. Sport's my bread and butter, my passion and what I love. I don't know. I think when I look at my career in a couple of years time, I would love to get to a position how I view Gabby or Claire or Sue Barker. Like they are so well respected in their field, ultimate professionals and how they are. And I've learned so much being alongside most of them, actually. Gabby, I've spent a lot of time. So if people see me as, as they see them, well respected in their field, then I'd be like, okay, I'm doing all right. And alongside your your sporting achievements and your sporting ambitions, I've read that you, you would like to have a family one day. Yeah. Um, and I and I that you were considering free in your eggs is that is that something that um you're still looking into yeah and my friends tell me more and more that I need to do it they're like Alex you are getting older and they know <laughs> that I want kids and I'm like yeah but I'm still doing so much in my life um but yeah we will see I think I do need to think about it because my birthday is coming up soon another year older and then some of my friends have frozen their eggs so I think it's always been the conversation around it um so yeah and I do and for me I love working with kids I'm so passionate about helping kids from whatever area go on to achieve and know there's opportunities for them so I do definitely I don't know how many maybe one or two we'll see two two's enough I've got two (laughs) (laughs) don't have more than two they outnumber you then if you've got no no don't have more than two well Alex the name of this podcast is going for goal so what is your ultimate goal for 2021? 2021, my ultimate goal. I think for me, it is to be more in an established role, presenting. And how I said, how I view people like Gabby Logan, Claire Bourne and Sue Barker, if people can see, if I can just get into their mould one day in that field, then yeah, that's my ultimate goal that I've worked hard and yeah, I'm at their level because I just think they're amazing women. And they're flying the flag, certainly with Sue Barker and Claire Balding, the slightly older women as well that, that need more more presence on TV. So I think they're, they're absolute wonderful um, role models yeah. to, to look up to. But I, I would argue, Alex, that you're, you're not far off now. Uh-huh. You, you, are, you are an inspiration um, to, to many young girls and uh, young women and, and young boys. And uh, just keep, keep continue what you're doing. And good luck for everything. And thank you so much for joining me today on Going For Gold. Thank you thank for thank having you. me on. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed it, you can rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which really helps other people find the show. That's pretty much all from me. The final thing to say is if you are struggling, as mentioned, it's it's been an intense week. Do listen to last week's episode in which we discuss simple strategies for cultivating calm and mental strength in destabilizing times with a top psychiatrist. Take care, everyone. Imagine. 
imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.